You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Tuba of. What connects it in any way to a day of finding your, your wife? What connects it to a day of, 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 of creating the relationship between uh, a boy and a girl? What's there about tuba of that, that, that somehow uh, is proper for that? Now, again, one could say it's the summer, Tisha B'Av is over, uh, people are no longer in mourning. It makes sense, right? You could say from a sociological standpoint. Um, but, but to the point that, that it's lo Yisrael, that seems to be something that is, is, is quite striking. So um, I think that it probably behooves us uh, to understand what Tuba of is. And let's take a look at the Gemara right before that, where the Gemara talks about Tuba of. So if we go to the page right before that in the Daf and Laman Abebez, in Mesechtes Tainus, let's take a look. So the Gemara says that, let's take a look quickly. The Gemara says, Yom Kippur makes sense. There's such a level of Tahara, and it's the day that we got the Luchas Achronos. It's the day that God really settles with us. It's a day that uh, forever uh, will be the time that we connect to God on this highest level. We know how much he loves us. So one could say it is a great yontif. There is a great simcha that's necessary on, on Yom Kippur. And in fact, maybe the Gemara even understands why you could be on a level where you're, you're finding your wife. Look, we all realize that on Yom Kippur, we don't see the body as the enemy. We see the body as as being elevated along with the neshama, and 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 the purpose as we are as human beings in this body is to find a wife, is to be able to procreate, to bring neshamas back into the world. So as the Raivan and the Balianefish and others far and right, the the act of procreation, the act of being involved with 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 a man and a woman, this is one of the most beautiful, holy things that a person can do. So you can imagine on Yom Kippur, such a thing is, uh, is untinged by smuttiness or anything that's, that smells. Oh, okay, right, it's Hyanosenes. Yom Kippur, because there's Slicha Mechila, it's, it's a day that we got the Luchos Achronos, which, which mean, let's think about what that means, the Luchos Achronos. The Luchos Achronos mean we have a way to be holy within this world. The Luchos Rishonos that were broken we weren't ready for it. They were, it's almost like it was too holy for us. It was a level that we weren't able to continue on. That's the Luchas Rishonos. Getting the Luchas Achronos means that we can change. We realize what's, where we still have to get to, what we're able to do, how much God loves us. The Luchas Achronos are, 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 are a symbol of the fact that God's gift of our soul in our bodies can work and Torah can happen. And it makes sense, therefore, that the next step is it could be a day that the Benos Yerushalayim Yotzos. But what is what is special about Tuba of? Is really the question we started with. And what's interesting is, is that the, the, the plethora of answers I find 
and I, I'm sure you who have done these Gemaras before are also going to find it quite unusual, the amount of answers about what's special about Tuba of. So let's take a look. So the Gemara says a number of answers. We start with Shmuel. Amr of Yudah Amr Shmuel. Yom shehutru shvatim hutra shvatim Okay. So we know from the Benoist Tzvavchod that the, at the end of, of Sefer Bamidbar, uh, the Benoist Tzvavchod were told, yes, they are the ones that inherit their father's Yerusha. And they get that chilek. However, the husbands that they should take are only from Sheva Menashe, just like Tzlovchot himself. And the Torah writes that whenever this occurs, whenever you'd have a Tzlovchot type of situation, you would have these girls who are in a way the owners of that Chelek and Eretz Yisrael, they need to marry within the Shevet. The Shevet by no means should lose property. And that, if you look at the Torah, it sounds like it might be a mitzvah with Eiris, that there needs to be, it has to be sacrosanct, the, the um, property rights of the Shvotim. However, what happened on Tuba of? On Tuba of was that they somehow realized on that day, sometime after they came into Eretz Yisrael, that the shackles were lifted because they made a drosha. When Moshe Rabbeinu got the answer from God about the Benayi Tzlovchot, it was, Why did it say, Why does there need to be a rhetorical flourish to introduce a mitzvah? Chazal consistently make droshas like this. Chazal constantly look at the Pesukim of the Torah and say, hmm, why do we need to say it in such a fashion? There must be an idea behind it. What's the idea behind it? It says, instead of saying, you know, why is it to say, this is the thing? To tell you that this halacha about marrying into the B'nai Menashe is only B'dorze. So it's, what's interesting is that, and the way I think the Ritva on this Gemara says, is that they understood that drasha on Tuba of. And on Tuba of, they announced it's no longer binding. So these were, this is past the time of Moshe Rabbeinu. This is when they were in Eretz Yisrael. And they, figured, they said, now that everything is settled, if this occurs ever again, girls can now marry outside of their shavit. Girls can now marry outside the shape. In fact, this idea of having all the land of Eretz Yisrael unique and specifically in one place is no longer true. And what can happen now is the land area can now be shifted based on marriages that occur. So up until this time, let's think about what this means. Up until this time, there was almost like 12 unique states of Israel. And there was an idea that we don't let our women marry out of our tribe and we're keeping our land and this is our land. And each shave, it had states' rights, so to speak. <laughs> I'm giving it a little Southern inflection, but I understand coming where I'm from, that that's like an idea. This is where we're at. What happened here was a, cr- a crack, a very 
subtle crack in the armor occurs, which allows in, in situations for every girl who happens to be the owner of property to marry into another tribe, which will mean the siphoning away of the parts of the land of Israel into other tribes. And it won't be so exact. You'll go into an area, for example, of, 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 of Yisochar, you'll go an example of Don, and there will be pockets of land that will actually be owned by people who, who are from other tribes. So the whole idea of tribal uh, distinction in a way will change. But there's more to that. Again, that's the big picture. The, 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 uh, the uh, specific aspect, though, is, is that the girls could marry who they want, right? The girls could marry who they want. And, uh, and, and this way, they weren't trapped. They weren't trapped specifically into um, they weren't because remember and the 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 other uh, shvatim. Let's say, for example, up until this time, if someone from Shevet Ruvain wanted to marry someone from Shevet uh, Binyamin, so that girl, unless it's a situation where she is a uh, a, a a child and there's no brothers, she would right. Uh, marrying her is anyway not taking land away from Shevet Binyamin. What happens now is, is that even in those situations, that land can be taken away from Shevet Binyamin and go in, into Shevet Ruvain. And in a way, there's a benefit that the girls can get boys, girls in such situation, are able to get men and boys from other tribes. And that, according to Shmuel, was part of the Simcha. Part of the simcha was is that Klal Yisrael isn't as provincial, and I mean that literally in terms of provincial, meaning the specific provinces and the specific uh, parts of, of, of Eretz Yisrael. That starts to uh, dissipate at this point. And therefore, the idea really of how that, uh, uh, how that really shows itself is the fact that marriage becomes a choice rather than a way to keep the tribe intact. Well, it's true, we, you, you can't go out of Klal Yisrael, but this, according to Shmuel, was a source of simcha. And uh, as the Ritva explains, they have a Kabbalah. It occurred on, on the 15th of Av. On the 15th of Av, they had such a Kabbalah that this shattered this idea, and we're on our way to a different type of society, a society which granted in a sense, more freedom to the women, but also society that didn't necessarily look at the other tribes in such a negative way. The other tribe wasn't the other. In a way, it was understood there could be pockets and eventual, if not dissolution of the Shvatim, but there would be enough people populating each section of Klal Yisrael that there'd be a sense of a real sense of achdus. That's the way I'm reading the simple shot. It sounds like I'm uh, investing a lot here, but I think that's the only way it makes sense. And I think it's really in the words itself. Okay, so that was Shmuel's shot. Rav Yosef uh, quoted Rav Nachman. And what was Rav Nachman? Of course, two genera- about a generation or two after Shmuel. He says, Yoim shehuter shevet binyamin lovay bakal. Now, again, without getting into too much detail, this is probably one of the 
most horrible uh, parts of what we know to be um, Jewish history uh, of the time of uh, uh, in Tanakh. The, the story of Pelegish Begiv, I know we have here with us Tamid uh, HaChachomim and Rabonim. It's a big schuss to have you here listening. But just for the sake of the recording, for everyone to realize what the, what what was this, what was going on here? I mean, we talked about Pelegish Begiva is, 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 is graphic in its story in terms of uh, the, this Pelegish this that was raped violently to the point that she, with her last breath, she was able to make herself, uh, to make, to, to able to get back to her, you know, to her common law husband, so to speak, this fellow from, this lady from, from who was living in Shevet Ephraim. And, you know, you know, he actually, in a way, was as guilty as everyone else by letting his Pelegish, um, to sort of giving his Pelegish up to the, to, to the rowdy people from Benyamin, um, who then raped her continuously to the point that, uh, that, that, that she was at the, at the cusp of death. And then he finds her in the morning almost dead, and then she dies on his door, uh, on, on the door jam. And then he does something um, uh, quite, like I said, graphic. He cuts her body up into pieces, and he sends them to all the other shvatim, saying, this is what happens when you stay in, 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 in the Benyamin Hotel. This is what you say what happens. So the shvatim, um, again, it's during the sort of the Wild West period, it's sort of during the Wild West period of 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 of, of settling the land, so they you know the 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 you know the uh, the convocation of the leaders of Claudiusro of all the different Shvatim say, Benjamin, find the perpetrators. We want to uh, we want to kill them. We want to uh, mishpat them. We want to eliminate this horror story. We want there to be to to put it up on the that we dealt with this on a national level, and Benjamin. Um, their leader said, no, we're not giving up these people. We'll deal with it. We're going to go have our own police, our own edus. Uh, if there's a Bezdin, if there's something we should do, but don't you tell us how we have to run our Shevet Binyamin. Um, you know, it, it, just parenthetically, I don't know, those of you who have thought about Pelegish Begiva probably uh, in the past, um, might have wondered because you know, there's a, uh, uh, Benyamin is always called Benyamin Atzadik, as you know. Uh, the Gemara talks about the uh, the original Benyamin, and he's one of the people, the Gemara says, that died, uh, right? He's one of the people who died uh, because he um, had no, he, he didn't die because of, 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 of a Yetzir Hara. He, he, he was a, a sinless person. So, um, it's strange that, you know, so these hooligans should have arisen in, 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 in what Shevet Benyamin was. In fact, Chazal speak about Shevet Benyamin being the, the, the Shevet that was not only meek, but was a tzaddik. Um, Rav Soloveitchik many times in his Drushim uses Benyamin as the symbol uh, of the great tzaddikim uh, of our generations. So it's it's quite interesting that 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 this this horrible event should occur with Shevet Binyamin. But it gets, of course, even worse than that, 
which is that when Binyamin refuses, they decide, although it was meant to right a wrong, that they are going to wage war against Shevet Binyamin. And a civil war occurs where it's one tribe against the armies of the other 11 tribes. And uh, it, it turned out that most of Binyamin eventually, it took a couple of days of battles, but eventually a large part of, 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 of Shevet Binyamin were killed out. And they decided that in order to punish Shevet Binyamin, it says, Ish Yisrael nishpa b'mitzbeleimar ish mimenu lo yitain bitay l'binyamin l'isha. They decided the same way they had organized themselves as an army against Binyamin, that they were going to take punitive action against them, and everybody had to swear with the power of a community swearing of, of the whole nation that no daughters would be given to Binyamin. In other words, there, there was a, a depletion, seemingly, of, in the war, it seems like there were innocent girls and women that died. And there was this idea that we are going to cause this tribe to wither away and die. Because there, there isn't enough, there's a girl shortage in Binyamin because of the war. It sounds like the girls, the women were some of the, the, the prime victims. And because of that, the remaining men of Binyamin, who were anyway, perhaps a small amount, we're going to let these guys die. We're going to let them die because we're not going to let them get our children, our daughters. Now, they were still able technically uh, to find uh, uh, women who had uh, from outside of Israel who they could convert. And through conversion, they would still be able to marry into Sheva Binyamin. But it was quite, quite difficult for any of them for that to happen. On Tuba of what occurred, what occurred was that they were able to be matir the Shvua. They were able to figure out that that Shvua was not binding. Why? Because the Torah said, because the Novi says that they got up in mitzvah and they said, Ish mimenu, So normally when you make such a shvua, you might think it's forever, but not in this case. In this case, they did not make that. The shvua says mimenu meant, hmm, mimenu meant this generation. This generation, there's going to be a diminution in Shevet Binyamin because of their recalcitrance, because of their, their refusal to be part of the Jewish people in their, uh, in their attempt to bring justice about this horrible act. But after this generation, which means when the dead generation, that battle generation would die out, eventually uh, Binyamin girl, girls would once again be able to uh, be taken uh, for Sheva Binyamin. And they made a drasha. And that was the drasha that Rav Nachman said was a drasha that was developed on Tuba of. Okay, so if, if we think back about this again, these two answers. Okay, the first answer I think I've explained. The second answer is sort of similar, right? Um, meaning that the Achdus of Klal Yisrael, despite 
the 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 simmering um, uh, antagonism that clearly was still there. Um, you can imagine, you know, the gall of 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 of, of deciding to to battle a tribe, the gall of the tribe not to surrender. Uh, on both sides, there seems to have been some hard-headedness and things that we, 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 we are ashamed to read about. So once that sort of dissipates and recedes completely, and, and, and how is it indicated by? Once again, it's indicated by the simple act of marriage. The simple act of letting the girls, the women, find men from Benjamin, that's the normalization of the, uh, of, of, of the relationship to Shevet Benjamin. And that both, again, you can see how that could lead to this idea, uh, how, it's, how in a way it's, it's symbolized by the girls and in Yerushalayim and perhaps other cities as well, although I have no right to say that, in terms of discovering Shaduchim at that point. Because this was the way that we once again indicate the achdus of Klal Yisrael, and that we should never go back to any sort of situation that's like that. Now, again, the first one was sort of necessary, and, and I'll explain why. To have all the land settled without intermarriage was very important. It was important to get a sense of each shavit having its place. It was important for each, for the land, I believe, to be parceled out correctly. And if marriages occur and, and, and events happen, it's, it's sort of like we don't have the shavit uh, in its proper state yet. Once you, you have your house in order, then you can bring in other relatives and other things, and there could be exceptions. So it wasn't necessarily this provincial uh, uh, aspect that Shmuel was talking about. It needed to be shattered eventually, but the way it shattered is by first indicating this is where each tribe goes and then infiltrating it with these pockets through marriage and recognition that we all, in many ways, although we are, there's a, there's a certain personality each section of the country has and each shave it has, but there's a commonality that's indicated by these uh, liaisons, romantic as they were, that can now alter that landscape. That's the first answer, which is a benign, normal way of things to occur. I think what Rav Nachman is talking about is what occurs as the nation progresses, where there becomes this incredible rift uh, there becomes anger and issues which probably should have been settled in a different way, which led, its, which led uh, incredibly to a war of brother against brother. And now that those fires have been doused. And that is what is, 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 is symbolized clearly by the allowance of the marriage of those girls. Okay. Maybe that makes sense why it's more juxtaposed to the Tishabov post, you know, Sinaschinam, that all thing, Achdus lacking on Tishabov, you know, a week later there. Very good. I mean, Alicia, in that way we could sort of say, okay, it's a happy day, but let's remember let's remember the shadow of where the happiness is 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 like slipping out of, right? The shadow of 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 of, of that terrible 
when you think about it, again, we all know, again, I don't want to get into American history, but we all know we're still in a way under the shadow of the civil war, right? And this is what this was. Tell me about it. Yeah, this, oh yeah, you're in Charleston, you know that. But I'm saying this is the civil war. This was, you know, this incredible civil war. And it was, it was, if you think about it, they were, it was on paper, it was, it was a war to the death to basically destroy one of the Shvatim. The Sheva, which stands in a sense for Tzidkas in many ways, was going to be destroyed. And um, now you could substitute Amalek, it would have sounded just as appropriate, you know. And especially if you think about it, it was supposedly done, you know, um, you know, uh, like, you know, as the song, uh, The Impossible Dream, you know, they were marching to hell for a heavenly cause, right? What was the, oh, yes, we need to, you know, we, we need to um, uh, avenge this, this Pelegish, right? We have to. Again, obviously, again, there's a lot of you can say about Pelegish Begiva. You can you can even wonder, um, is it you know is it Shavit Binyamin's fault? It's also that bum, that Levi who lets his you know who basically throws his his Pelegish you know uh, to the wolves as it were. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's turning the page on ugly history. It's turning the page on an ugly history, and an ugly history that's not abnormal anthropologically in societies where you do have these type of civil wars that occur and 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 and, and it, it comes out of frumkite right we have to avenger and then it turns into a a battle royale with a revenge factor of making them about proving them okay so those are the two first opinions the third opinion is it comes from eretz Yisrael. Not from Bovel, from Eretz Yisrael. Yom Shekolbo Masei Midbar. Okay. So, those we talk, we should just mention Tishabov. This is clearly connected to Tishabov because we know, as Rashi quotes here, and it's an incredible Rashi, I'll just read it to you. Kolar Bayim Shona Shoya Bemidbar Bechol Erev Tishabov, Hayakruz Yotseva Omer, Seulachfor. Every Erev Tishabov, um, every Arab Tish above, since the time of the Maraglim, when they said none of anyone who's 20 to 60, any of the so-called soldiers who could have been the soldiers of God will die. And it was men who died, not women. It was 20-year-old, from 20 to 60-year-old men, they died in the Midbar. But how, who dies when? How do you know your ticket is up? So a, a, a huge chunk of the Jewish people, every single heir of Tishabov, would have to, uh, as, as Rashi points out, their, Moshe Rabbeinu would send out a message. All right, you know who you are. Anyone, any males, 20 to 60, go and dig your grave. And everyone would go and dig their own grave. And they would sleep on Tishabov night, on the night of Tishabov, they would sleep in those graves. And the reason why they slept in those graves is because um, we didn't want them to die and just not be in a grave, Rashi says. So this way, um, the next morning, they would say, okay, everybody, you know, revelry, wake up, whoever wake up, 
And of course, every year, there were people who dug their own graves and lied there dead because the Xer of Tishabov had happened to them. And they did that every year. In the 40th year, they also did that because they weren't sure exactly what 20 to 60 meant. So what happened? On, on that last year, before they came into Eretz Yisrael, they dug their graves, and the next morning, they all, nobody was dead. They all got up alive. And they said, what's going on over here? How come nobody died? And they thought, Rashi says, Shema ta'inu, b'chesh b'nachodesh. Maybe it wasn't Tishabov. Maybe, you know, there's no moon. We can't see the moon here. Everything is based on, as, as Rav Sadiagon said in the Midbar, everything was based on um, calculations. Oh, maybe we got it wrong. We haven't really seen the moon. It's all based on our calendars. Uh, maybe we got it wrong. So on the 10th day of Av, they slept in their graves. Until what happened was it was the night of the 15th. On the night of the 15th, they said, wait, 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 look at that moon. It's not, it's not the ninth above now. It's not Tisha above, it's the 15th. No one's dead? Hooray! That means, although they only discovered it five days later, it must be that the Xera is finished. Rashi says that generation made it into a Yontif. Kavu oso hador, oso hayom yontif. Now, does that mean, the way I'm looking at the Rashi, does that mean it was only, it was it, this holiday has been a holiday before we even went into Eretz Yisrael? It's like the oldest holiday we have, other than the ones that are in the Torah. Is that what Yochanan said? It's incredible if you think about it. Okay, that this was a holiday that's been a holiday. Now, obviously, Shmuel and Nachman are also saying it's an ancient holiday. But it's an ancient holiday, according to Yochanan, that even before they went into Israel, they said, yes, this is going to be a holiday. Um, and what's the holiday about? That we're not dying anymore. We're not dying. That the Xerah, we can now go into Israel. Okay. What does that have to do with, 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 with the uh, marriage uh, ideals of of going out and you know the the the, the J date. <laughs> what does that have to do with the J date? Uh, the you know the, the why you connect things. What does it have to do with that? It's not clear to me exactly. Um, but what's also surprising is the next thing. It says that Aj de Omar Mar. Now, so we already have shown that this was a beautiful day in the fact that no one was dying anymore. This generation can now go in the, the Chet of the Maraglim, although in a sense we still live with it, but it isn't as ugly and terrible because now those people have stopped dying. Like, 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 like Lag Bomer, right? They've stopped dying. It's even greater than that. Um, so what does that have to do with this next statement? So Rashi says, if you look at Rashi in the Gemara, Rashi says, De Omar Mar, that's the reason why it's a Yontif. Meaning not because Yochanan didn't mean just because the people stopped dying. When the people stopped dying, that meant 
the ship had corrected itself. What does it mean the ship had corrected itself? That means God spoke to Moshe again in the glorious way that God spoke to us at Har Sinai and before the Chet of the Meraglim, where Moshe would go into the Mishkan and the word of God would appear, on, would, would, would come into Moshe's mind from on top of the Kruvim. As Rashi says, Lo Moshe Meaning, it was just to me. It's just to me. I got it. God is talking to me. I'm hearing him. God is speaking to me. And the reason why, as the Pasuk says, Moshe Rabbeinu is completely dependent on the Jews. Moshe Rabbeinu's prophecy, which is really the bonding, listen to what I'm going to say here, the bonding of humanity with God in the greatest sensual way possible even, which is that God inhabits your mind and Moshe Rabbeinu speaks as if God is speaking through his throat. Shechinam and Aberis mitoch grono shel Moshe. That combination, that yichud that Moshe was receiving was, ex- was ecstasy. The idea of, of actually being part of something immense and great and fantastic, sort of, you know, lahavdil, the type of expressions like the Rambam says are used in terms of love of a man to a woman. The type of the the type of uh, of, of of beyond romance to the point of going to this fantastic place of ecstasy. That is what nevuah is. When God speaks through you, that is what happens. Moshe Rabbeinu is on a level not only of holiness, but of enjoyment that, can, that is incomprehensible to us. But it's the, it's the incomprehensible enjoyment of bonding with God. And that is what occurs on Tuba of. Now, it didn't occur on Tisha B'Av because they needed to recognize everyone that it's over. And when they recognize it's over and they realize we're back, we can be back. So the Jewish, listen to what I'm going to say here. The Jewish people bond with God through Moshe Rabbeinu. And in that way, although it only happened for a little while later, because remember, it was only that was the last year and Moshe Rabbeinu dies and there's no more Torah given straight from God. But what happens on that day is a restoration of a love, of a love relationship between the Jewish people and God. Moshe Rabbeinu is the symbol of that love relationship, but it can't occur the whole 40 years. Why not? Isn't Moshe holy? Moshe is only as great as the people. When the stain is still there coloring the people, then Moshe Rabbeinu himself is also stained and cannot achieve, and we can't achieve, the level of God talking to us. So what happened here on Tuba of just like on Yom Kippur in a certain way, was the love came back. The love meaning the love of 
of God's ideas being complete and, and, and total. What I would try to say here is that the, the ideas that Moshe was receiving for 38 years were incomplete. They weren't Torah. Torah is only possible if the idea is the pure word of God. And that is bonding with the mind of Ein Sof. And that is really the, the, the most uh, complete and I would say romantic and idea of love that's possible. That's why the Kruvim, uh, as we know, are the symbol of, of love. They are a symbol of a, of, of, of a male and a female that are embracing each other in, in a, 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 shadow, a shadow reflection of what the love and bond there is between the Jewish people and God, which is symbolized, not only symbolized, it's embodied by Torah going to Moshe. If Torah is going to Moshe, that means we have God in our mind. We are encompassing God. God's within us. And that is the idea of, of complete bonding with the ultimate. And if that's the case, that's what Tuba of, although again, it didn't last for a long time, but Tuba of is a recognition of what we were missing. And therefore, I believe, based on this, we can understand how that is symbolized by the, the, the beginning of the relationships that were going to be fostered by the young girls that were going out. So that, I think we have the three sheetas work out well. Let's see the next opinion. Ula Omar, Yom Shebitel Hoshea ben Allah, the prostios, Shehoshev Yeroven ben Avot Aladrochim, Shalo Yalu Yerushalayim Revegel. So what happened over here was, again, um, one could say this is also a terrible split. Um, this was when you know, Malchus Yisrael is different than Malchus Yehuda. And Yeroven ben Avot was a charismatic, brilliant leader. In a way, you know, he dwarfed Rehovam in personality, but he had an element, as we know, that was a tremendous, terrible weakness. And he was willing, as Chazal called him, he put up Eglim, he put up these Egels from Don and Beersheba, uh, and he wouldn't let Klal Yisrael come back to Yerushalayim where the Shechina was. Um, Yeruvim ben Navot um, uh, had put that up there. And that meant, if you think about it, that this fracturing of the Jewish people, 10 tribes here, two tribes here, was going to stay a reality as long as they can't come to Yerushalayim. Yeruvim ben Navot was very smart. And he realized that if they go up to Yerushalayim, they're going to sense something special and different. They're going to feel what the Kruvim are meant to symbolize. Whatever sort of weak Malcha Yehuda are, they're still the glory of David. They're still the glory of Shlomo there. There's something, there's a veneer there that's going to capture them. And there's also, of course, B'Sheva ben Yamin. So if they cannot be Ola Rego, because these Pardusios were up there saying, you cannot travel. No one is like, in fact, there's some Rishonim that say that you might risk death by being Olarego. If you would go up to, if you would, uh, 
if you would go up to uh, to Yerushalayim, you'd be killed. And now Hosea said, I am hereby lifting it. You know what? You can have your choice. People that want to stay within what Yeruvim has developed, they can. But if you want to go to Yerushalayim, you can. And that happened according to this Antuba of. Antuba of, there was again a sense, and this is very similar, of the reconnecting of Klal Yisrael. All right? Um, meaning that we have a lot of differences. People who live in Shevet, who live in Malcha Yisrael, the Nitziv and others explain, consider themselves not religious in terms of keeping mitzvos. Uh, in terms of the actual, all the details of mitzvos, but they said they were balichesed. They considered that they had cities that were better run. They thought that they had a, a they thought that they uh, put a, a premium on patriotism, which Malcha Yehuda didn't have. Um, although they had Bomos and Avodah they felt that they were, as the Nitziv says, they felt that they were greater Bali Chesed. They had greater Chesed institutions than uh, the Malcha Yehuda did. Uh, again, whether this is true or not, I'm not 100% true, but I'm willing to rely on the Nitziv and others who say that. So there was a justification of the split. And they felt just we're different types of Jews. We don't keep the details of the Tarish of Alper, but we have a great Jewish identity. We have a great, we know, in fact, we perhaps, the, the people of, 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 of Omri and, 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 the, and the descendants of Yeruvam made a case that they were in a way more ethically Jewish in some ways, although the word Jew wasn't the word they used. They were ethically the Jewish people than uh, Yehuda. This allowance, this little crack to let them come together by to be Oyla Regel is once again a, a, a very important uh, idea. And it, 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 it's in line with this of, of what the purpose of all marriages are, which of course are bringing different families together, but it's a reflection of that. Okay. Rav Masna says it's something that goes way into after the Chorban Bayashani. Now, What's strange is, of course, Rav Masna is talking about our Mishnah. Our Mishnah was talking about Bayis Rishon, Bayis Sheni, and this is after the Chorban. So I would say Rav Masna is saying the 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 specialty of Tuba of shows its footprints even later, just like Tisha B'Av. People have added the uh, you know the expulsion from Spain and other things. Rav Masna says the same thing occurs here. Rav Masna That was the day that the Haruge Beitar were able to be buried. Um, and you have to believe that this, just like the civil wars and other things, this was an incredible wound for the Jewish people. The idea that those bodies were 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 Hadrian did not allow those bodies to to uh, to be brought to be burial. The fact that there was, in a sense, and this is what Rav Hankins Atzal says is what's going on here, is that there was a sense that we should still fight. 
there was a sense that we should still fight against the the, the extreme reality of the Horbin. Beitar was a, 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 a an attempt by Rabbi Akiva and Bar Kochba and others to push back and say, yes, there was a Horbin, there was a destruction, but we have the ability to 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 dis to basically reject that and we can force a malchus we still have within our hands and we'll rebuild the base of mikdash we'll get it all done and and we are not going to face the the uh, what seems to be god's will we will we will struggle against them maybe that's god what that's what god wants us to do even though it seems terrible god wants us to push that that is what the the, uh, the people who fought in betar believed that again, that they would they would they would create their new reality for themselves. And when those dead bodies were there, it wasn't necessarily a depression, Rav Hankin says. It meant there were still people who said, look at those bodies, we need to, we need to rabble, they were rabble rousers again. Those dead bodies that just stood that that, that were there in a way, smelling up the place. The smell that Rav, Rav Hankin says was the smell of revolution, the smell of, of unacceptance, of not accepting the fact that the Golis was real. And therefore, in a way, God's plans can still be uh, undermined and we can get what we want and we are able to, to battle. So once they were buried, that put an end to that. That was an, an acceptance of the pain, an acceptance of that we're in a new situation. And that's why Chazal say something incredible that they changed Birchas Hamazon. They added to Birchas Hamazon Hatova Metiv, that we say is our fourth bracha. That fourth bracha after benching was Hatov Shalohisrichu Vametiv Shenosnu Likvura. And as Ram Hankin explains, that was a way of acceptance. Now, have things changed since 1948? Have things changed before that? Possibly. But it was very, it was very important that we accepted God's will. And that's what, in a way, Tuba of was. Tuba of was an acceptance and an ability to not be stymied and agitated by all those deaths. Now, I'm not sure how that leads to, to uh, being a day of, of marriages, a day of trying to find shaduchim. Um, last thing. Yeah, because the people who were excused from war were the ones who had just got married and went back to home. So it means like, go back and do those things that you're exempt from war for. So Alicia is saying that up until this time, there was sort of like a underground of right? underground guerrillas saying we're going to fight and we're still going to do stuff. And uh, remember the Alamo, right? Remember Betar. So there wasn't really an involvement in just settling down, so to speak. There was still a sense that the most important thing is the next revolution, right? Is that that's what you're saying, Alicia, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Rab of Rabbi Yosef, who, you know, who are the, in many ways the most two of the most important Amarayim and Shas, always work together. We'll end with this. They said, Yom Shapasku Milichros Now, the reason was is because why didn't they 
you know, the 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 the, the, the needed wood all the time. Especially in the second base Amikdash, they needed a lot of wood. God didn't help. They needed a lot of wood, creating a lot of fuel, and they had carbonos. So why was this today the tuba of? So Belezer Agodo said, because from the 15th of Av, Toshish Kochel Shochama. Because from the 15th of Av, the sun is not as strong. And therefore, the wood that they'll cut post the 15th of Av is wood that lends itself to uh, getting, uh, to become full of, 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 uh, of, of vermin and other worms. And you can't use that. So therefore, that was the day they stopped. So nobody, okay, no more wood. You don't have to busy yourself with cutting the wood anymore. No more wood cutting. Okay, that, that's a simcha. <laughs> so Rav Menashe says, you know what we call that day? Tavermago, just smash the saw. Take the saw, smash it. We're not, we're not, no cutting wood anymore. No, no, that's the wood for the Mizbeach. No more, yeah, no more wood cutting. Okay. And then the Gemara says, Mikan ve'elech, from the 15th above on, to Mosif Yosef, v'delo Mosif ye'asef. And what does that mean, ye'asef? So Rabbi Yosef says, you know what that means? <laughs> You're going to die young. So what does that mean? So look at Rashi. Rashi says, Mikan ve'elech, mechamisha oser ba'av ve'elech, to Mosif le'los alayomim, now the nights are getting longer again. You got to learn more Torah. And if you were Martora, you're going to be Mosef Chaim. Vidulo Yosef, and if you're not going to learn more Torah, you're not going to use these longer nights to learn more Torah at night, then what's going to happen? You'll be buried by your mom. Meaning, Rashi says, whether your mom's alive or not, it's like your mom is alive. You'll die before your time. So what's the connection to the Atse Marocha? It's all Rabbi Yosef talking, right? That's the Rabbi of Rabbi Yosef. What's he mean? So the Rishonim explain that the reason is, is because they didn't have to cut wood anymore. So they could learn Torah more. There was more Torah learning because this, they, they, there wasn't this, uh, you know, flurry of activity of cutting the wood. And therefore, it was meant from the 15th of Av to start learning more Torah. It's really quite weird. <laughs> you know, um, we know that it was a great schus uh, to be able to donate the Eitzim, but the work of cutting the Eitzim stopped. And because of that, uh, the way I understand it is like this. Um, you know, the Beis HaMikdosh and obviously, we, we came through Tisha B'Av recently, but the Beis HaMikdosh um, can sometimes have an identity that is stronger than it should have. Obviously, you want things to function, and they wanted things to work properly. I think that when they could stop the engine of the Beis HaMikdosh and say, oh, we don't have to cut the wood anymore. Okay, no wood cutting anymore. I think what, what is supposed to occur is, or, you know, what are we doing now? What are we going to do with our time? We'll learn Torah. That's what we do. Learning Torah is really, in a way, the secret. Yes, on the 15th of Av, they stopped cutting the wood, which means for us, 
It's the time to get our head out of the minutia and the details of running the system and say, you know what, there's something bigger than the system itself. And that is, yeah, <laughs> there's something bigger than that. What do, what do you have now, time? The most important thing is bonding with God through learning. That's what it's about. And that, as we said, is a symbol of the Benos Yerushalayim as well. The, the most important thing is the love that we are able to nurture with God. And the way you nurture the love with God is not necessarily by heavy involvement in the Beis Mikdash details. Here's the way we cut the wood. Here's the way we burn the wood. Here's what's going on. The truth is when the Beis Mikdash functions without our intensity on such an intense level, it allows us to step back from the Beis Mikdash and to see things, to see the forest despite the trees and no pun intended about this wood. This is really, in a way, aligns with what we saw on the page before. When the, when the people of the Midbar die, Moshe Rabbeinu becomes, once again, a bonding with God. But what Rabbi Rami Yosef is saying is, even if it's, there is no Moshe Rabbeinu anymore, there's no word of God necessarily the way it was. But when we are able to learn more Torah during this period, that we can take this time, nights are longer, yes, that means less work during the day in a way, and that means more time if we can afford the oil and the lights. So really, this is a time of more intense Torah learning. I know it sounds very Talmudic because the Talmud is very involved in people learning Torah, but I think what we have to realize is that the gift of being able to learn Torah and not be uh, obfuscated by national issues, not being obfuscated by political issues, not being obfuscated by old, uh, uh, you know, by old uh, hurts and insults and history that supposedly we carry in terms of trauma that we have from previous generations, but rather the pure aspect of being able to just open up a Gemara like we just did and study it and ask about it and learn it is really a way of bonding with God in the most loving possible way. At night, night that's reserved for romance, night that's deserved for, for, for wonderful sweet nothings being whispered in, 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 in husbands into wives' ears is really the opposite side of the coin. And the way you really experience that love in a real way is, 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 is through not just Moshe Rabbeinu, but all of us and willing to learn Torah. The fact that a day like Yom Kippur, which is a day of complete tahara, okay, yeah, you see, the, 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 the man can bond with woman and complete tahara, that's what God's will is. I think Tuba of, as we get ready for the Yom Narayim, in a sense, because this is sort of on the, or on the runway for that, is also a way to really get involved in study of Torah in the most intense possible way. But that's not a contradiction, the Gemara thinks. In fact, that's a justification for why it could also be a time for boys and girls, men and women to meet each other. The two aren't considered opposite poles. They actually go hand in hand. The more we realize that, that they are actually two sides almost of the same coin. The idea is, is that we are here in this world to procreate and give something into this world. Yes. 
And that is that is why it's a it's a prime day of man meeting woman and woman meeting man and building families. But the purpose of that, of course, is not just the biological imperative. The reason is, is because we as human beings bring into our families and into our life a, a love of God that is embodied by the learning of Torah and or by Moshe Rabbeinu's Nebuah. Uh, or by, as we said in the other things, seeing beyond the constructs. And in a way, the fact that every community and every situation has a romantic part to it. It could be a military, uh, militaristic country like China or North Korea, but there's a certain aspect of Ishva Isha that is, uh, that is equal everywhere in terms of finding someone, that purity of relationship is, 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 is proof to us that there's something bigger than all these constructs that we make, whether it's Beis HaMikdash, whether it's states' rights, whether it's nationalities, whether it's uh, the difference between one type of Jew or the other. And the way that that is real is through just pure learning, pure learning, pure bonding with God. The bonding that we have with God is really the same elements are used in order to bond, for human beings anyway, to bond with their wives, to bond with their beloved. We don't bond like animals. We bond because we recognize what this pleasure is about. This pleasure is about this meeting of souls, this combination of souls. That, and that is something that I think is what the Gemara, I think, is trying to tell us about how this, in a way, is, uh, uh, in a sense, lo hoyayamintovim biyasrol. Okay, so that's really just learning up the Gemara. And uh, is that possibly why we pick the sentence from Eschanan, before we read Torah, to show that the Dveikus Hashem is all about the study of Torah? In other words, uh, Torah is Dveikus, yes. Your, your previous statement that the point is to focus, you know, that right. you filled Hashem with Moshe, the whole point is... Right, right. Mo- Moshe's getting the Torah is all of us really experience that. Hopefully, whenever we learn some element of that. Yes, you're right. That is Dveikus. And, and Dveikus and Torah, look, Dveikus and Torah, Dveikus and Hashem, Dveikus between Ishvi Ishtai are all part of the same idea of Dveikus. They all come together. Again, we're not just behemoths. Right? We're not just behemoths who have a biological imperative. I think that's really what this is about. And that's the reason why, again, uh, two ba'av is a day, the Shabbos, to really think about it in, in the best possible way. Thanks for listening, everybody. And um, okay. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.